Now, I've titled today's training, How to Get Buyer Leads. But we're going to go a little bit deeper than that, and we're going to take things uh, at almost a strange angle. So here's the background. Of course, getting buyer leads, what's a buyer lead? So a buyer lead is a subscriber or lead that comes onto your list, not by opting in for a free gimme, not by just giving you their name and email address, but by buying something basically buying their way onto your list. So here's the background. If we go all the way back to the purpose in building our list and the purpose in starting with the list rather than a product, so we'll start there first. And folks, the reason that I want to give you this background, I want you to understand why we do what we do so that you can make the right decision for your business. You see, just because I do it one way and Marlon does it a different way, Yannick does it another way, Dan does it another way, and Perry does it another way, doesn't mean that my way is right all the time. It doesn't mean that Perry's way is right all the time. It doesn't mean that Dan's way is right all the time. What it probably does mean is that what we teach is generally what works well for us, given a certain set of circumstances. So sometimes it's easy. As humans, we look for examples. We look for people whom we can follow. It's a good thing. If we didn't look for examples, we'd probably be unwise. And if we didn't look for people that we could follow, once again, we'd be unwise because we learn from what is done ahead of us, but especially in this industry, especially when you don't understand why we do what we do and why we suggest that you do what we suggest that you do, it's easy to fall into this, I'm just going to call it a trap, of saying, I'm going to do it Perry's way and only Perry's way for six months you might even think in the back of your mind, I'm going to see if I can prove him wrong. You know, the fact of the matter is that the people that you're connecting with, the advertising that you're doing, your exact funnel is not exactly what anybody else is doing. You're doing something that nobody else has ever done before. You are do no matter what you're doing, I mean, unless you're just literally copy and pasting and something somebody else is doing, every part of it, you're doing something that nobody else has ever done before, all of you. I'm doing something that nobody else has ever done before. When I write a new sales letter, every time I create, I'm doing something that nobody else has ever done before. If I write a thoughtful post, reply, forum post, anything like that, I am writing something that nobody else on earth has ever done before. Now, based on my experience, I can guess that those words are going to go along well, that they're going to go over well and we're going to get results. But I, I don't know it. If I write a new book, if I write a new post, if I record a new training, this is training. I've never done this before. Nobody on earth has ever done what I'm doing today right now for these 60 seconds. Therefore, we have... No way of knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that what I'm doing right now is right or effective. 
Now, I can tell you I'm going to give it my best shot, just like you're going to give it your best shot when you get off of this call and go write a post or you write your daily email or, or whatever the case is. And so kind of back to where I was sharing about this tendency that we have to follow, which is great. What happens a lot of times is we say, I'm going to follow Perry for six months. I'm going to do everything Perry's way. And much of it works, but because there's a few pieces off, maybe you didn't understand that part of what Perry teaches, or maybe it just isn't applicable for you. At the end of six months, you don't have the results that you want. What most people, what I see most people doing is they, they lay down the gauntlet and they say, well, Perry's way didn't work. And so then they come find Dan or me or somebody else. Let's use me as an example. And they come and you say, okay, Sean, what do you do? And, and so I lay it out. If you get into one of my training programs, you, you get all the steps. These are all the steps to do. And human nature says, I'm going to compare what Sean's saying to do with what Perry says. And so you look and you go, oh, that's why it didn't work, because because for my niche, it's better to do it the way that Sean's doing it for these components. But here's the trap. Because of the fact that psychologically you've let go of the other person that you're following, and because some of the things that I say are a little bit different than what he says, you say, well, in order for it to work, I've got to drop everything that I did over there, and I do it exactly Sean's way. And so what happens is, six months down the road, because you've been simply following exactly what I say without understanding why so you can apply it to your business. Six months from now, you don't have the results that you want. And now you see where this is going. So now you say, okay, well, Perry's way doesn't work. Sean's way doesn't work. Folks, I get people that come to me and they tell me they've been doing the pattern I just gave you for five years. They will send, they will give me a list of 15 coaches that they've studied from, all of whom their systems are all messed up. And, and I'll tell you, I look at these lists and I go, well, well, that person, he's got a good training program, and that person has a good training program. And, well, I don't know that person, but this guy, uh, he's got some good thoughts. His training program might not keep up with his thoughts, but that's okay. You look at that list and you say, you know, th these folks aren't any worse than I am. and Some of them are a whole lot better than I am. And, of course, when I get a list like that, when I get an email like that, my response tends to be, well, what makes you think? That if you spend a few months with me, you're going to get any better results. And, of course, they build it up. They build it up. These are the reasons why, because I'm going to follow you, because you've done this, and I'm going, to, I'm going to follow you. Why do I share all this with you? I'll tell you what I've done over the last 11 years. Now, when I first got started, we'll pretend I was a blank slate. And I wasn't a complete blank slate. Neither are any of you. But most of you know more than I did at that time about marketing. But I was not a complete blank slate because I'd done some offline stuff, that kind of thing. Let's just say I was a blank slate for all online. And I bought a training program, and I learned what was in the training program. I go, wow, this is great. And then one of my next steps was I signed up for, you know, it was like a 10-week program. It was interviews with like 10 different people. So every week an expert on a different topic would come talk. And, and of course, the whole purpose of the talk was so that they could sell a $2,000 package at the end of the talk. But folks, they, they were doing a great job of teaching. I took good notes. You know, I must have taken 10, 15, 20 pages of notes for every one of those sessions. 
But here's, here's what I did that I think is different than what happens a lot of times. When I got to a certain person's teaching, I didn't throw everything out the window that I'd already learned. I said, okay, I like the model I've already learned. What are the pieces from what this person is sharing that make the most sense that I can either, either A, add to the model I already know, or, wow, I like what this person's teaching. I think this might fit my personality a little bit better. How can I work with this model but add in the things that I've learned from four other people? And so because of that process, in, in three months, I went through what a lot of folks go through in three years because I was able to compress it all into one place and say, okay, now what is my system going to look like based on what I believe should happen? And so that's what I did. I implemented the system that, that I developed based on what 10 or 12 or 15 different people taught me over a 9, 10, 15-week period of time. I took all of that information. I built a system. Now, did the system work? Well, yes and no. On one hand, the core principles that I set out to do at the very beginning are the same core principles I use in my business today and I teach. The same core principles. However, probably for every month of the last 11 years, I've made a small tweak to some part of what I'm doing because I've learned something new or I recognize that there's a flaw or I recognize that conversion rates aren't quite right or I recognize that some certain way of saying things, if I use certain words, people get better results than if I use other words. But until I use 20 different sets of words, I don't know which set of words works best. And so I'll try a set of words for a month, and then I evaluate the progress. What kind of results are people getting as a result of those words that I use? Or what, what kind of results are people getting if they go through this funnel, if they pay at this price? And I've done the research, and, and I can tell in, on my list, if you spend this many dollars, you'll go on to spend this many dollars over the lifetime of, of the time that you spend on my list. If you spend this many dollars with me and you talk on the phone with me, on average, you'll spend this many dollars. And it's significantly different based on various, various breakpoints. And so when we, I look at each one of those things, in my business, I'm able to make adjustments. I made adjustment this, this month. I'll likely make an adjustment next month. I made an adjustment the month before. You know, where am I going with this? What I'm going to share with you today is a unique perspective. Now, does this unique perspective work? Absolutely, hands down. Some people, for some people, it's their business model. It is their only business model. A large part of my business, probably 80% of my business, is this business model. 20% of it is another business model. And, and obviously, I'll share what both of those are. I'll share where those breakdowns occur. What I don't want today is for what I share with you to trigger you to say, oh, wow, everything Sean's taught me so far is irrelevant because of what he's going to show me today. Because I still do some of that part. And it's still highly productive. However, and let me say this. This is an advanced strategy that doesn't work for everybody. It's an advanced strategy that doesn't always work for beginners, 
folks that are on the, the early end of things. However, and I'll give you the argument for it in a few minutes, sometimes if you're frustrated with bringing in free opt-ins that come onto your list, they tire kick a whole lot, they end up bucking off the list, and they end up hitting the spam button and they end up causing all kinds of problems with your autoresponder, what I'm getting ready to share with you will solve all of those problems. And once again, I want you to understand, I'm going to give you a set of ideas that you can take some, all, part, or none of them with you. It doesn't negate anything in the past. It's not giving you a perfect formula for the future, but it is giving you something to think about so that you can make your own informed decision about the best way to run your business. So let's talk about buyer leads. Now, once again, before we get to the buyer leads, I want to give you a little bit of data on why we bring in opt-ins in the first place. Let's say that you sell a $97 training program. And if you send – this is a 10-year-old illustration. Conversion rates directly to a $97 product just aren't what they were 10 years ago. It, because of volume and because of how we've conditioned leads all the way across the board, first-time cold conversion rates are lower than they were 10 years ago. I don't know exactly what the number, and really I can't tell you that there is a number. If you're in one niche area, it might be 2%. If you're in another area, it's half percent. So I can't even tell you, okay, this is the number. It really depends on your offer, and it depends on what you're selling, and it depends on how much demand there is, and it depends on how elastic the market, the economic market in your particular niche is. I mean, there's all kinds of different things. But I believe that on average across the board, those cold conversion rates are a lot lower than they used to be. I'm going to use the old example. If I use today's example, it, it, it proves the point even better. But I just I don't want to. I want to use the old numbers. I want you to imagine that you have 100 subscribers come onto your, or 100 visitors come to your website. You got 100 visitors come to your website. Let's say that you've got a $97 training program that converts it. 3% to decent cold traffic. You'd make three sales for $300, and you'd get no subscribers. The 97 people that did not buy will be gone. And in less than a year from now, when they're thinking about this topic again, unless somehow they just remember your name after seeing it for 20 seconds a year ago, they're probably never coming back to your website unless you pay for them to come back or you advertise again whatever the case is. So you made 300 bucks on 100 visitors. Cool. All that's nice. You get 97 people out there that are interested in your topic that you'll never get to see again ever unless you do something that brings them back. Now, if on the other hand, you take those 100 people and you send them to an opt-in page, and let's say that 40% of those people that go to the opt-in page become subscribers, you get 40 subscribers. Now, what my experience is, is that your long-term conversion rate is three times what it is initially. And so what I've discovered is that if you've got a $97 product selling at 3% to the sales page, if you bring people into a squeeze page and then send them to the sales page, 
over at least over the next few days because again you they're opted in you can send them repeated emails you'll sell something in the neighborhood of 10% of those subscribers which is four sales okay now i don't want to make a big deal about four sales is more than three we could say it was a 9% conversion rate instead of a 10% conversion rate or an 8% conversion rate instead of 10 and we get three so let's just call it three sales so if you use an opt-in page, you get 40 subscribers plus the same three sales, which is $300. So what that means is, mathematically, if you don't use an opt-in page, you make $300 and make three sales. If you do use an opt-in page, you make $300, make three sales, and get 40 subscribers for free. Right? Because they... It does not cost you a single penny to get to 40 subscribers in addition to, or it's really 37, I guess, when you back off the free sales. You get 37 free subscribers if you're using the opt-in page because you make the same number of sales. Now, what happens with 37 free subscribers? Well, you send them a nurturing email every other day or every day, whatever. You send them a nurturing email, and you've got a little bit of relationship, and obviously, if if you've taken one of my email campaign training courses, you've taken somebody else's, you've learned that you can sell to them in five days. Obviously, you, you put them in. If they haven't bought, you want them to buy that first item for a few days. You're making some pushes. But the bottom line is they don't buy, and you nurture them. Now, let's say you don't have any other products, but 30 days from now, you've got these 37 subscribers, and you run a live class. And I'm just going to pretend that live class is 100 bucks. So you send an email out to your list, which is only 37 people. It's 40 people. It's 37 non-buying subscribers, and it's three buyers. And you say, hey, I'm starting a class, and the class is $100, and you're going to learn X, Y, and Z. And typically what we see with something like that is maybe 10% of those hot subscribers, these aren't two years old, these are, they've been in your list for 30 days. You've nurtured them. You've asked questions. They've answered your questions. They've asked you questions. You've answered them. Maybe you've gotten on the phone with them for 10 minutes. You've nurtured them. You run this $100 class. Now, one of the three people that bought your $100 training in the first place will take the class. So that's $100 that you'd have had whether you had these free subscribers or not. But two to three of those 37 free subscribers that were free because they were bonus subscribers, two to three of them will buy your course. You generate an extra $200 to $300 the second month after they come onto your list, and it didn't cost you a penny to get those additional opt-ins. Now, imagine if we do this at scale. So instead of just 37 new opt-ins, you get 74 new opt-ins, or you get 370 new opt-ins that are free because you're selling anyway. I mean, that's you're in the business of selling something, right? You're in the business. It is, it is generally accepted. It is assumed that if you're in this business, you're selling something. And so if you're selling something and you're going to sell it anyway, you might as well grab the opt-ins. So that is the psychology and the reason, one reason behind creating the opt-in list. Now, obviously, there's many other pieces to this, and that is you build this long-term relationship. And I just proved to you for one month that you make more money with these people. But if you really want to change lives and somebody stays on your list for 
five years, and every month they've got an opportunity to buy something from you. And, of course, every month they get 15 of your nurturing emails, and they grow, and they begin to trust you. And you write a book, and you put the book out, or you create a new training program, and you put the training program out. And all these people that trust you go on to purchase from you. And, and so that is one big argument for having this opt-in list. The second big argument is, you know, let's just imagine that you go 10 years with no opt-in list. And people are visiting you and they're buying from you and they're social mediaing you and all of that. But let's say 10 years from now you go, I'm going to do something big. I'm going to do an event or I'm going to, I'm going to create a product or I'm going to start a movement. And you know that in the last 10 years you've talked to 2,000 people. Not all of them buyers, you talk to 2,000 people, 2,000 people that you can trust. But when you create that book or you launch this movement, you don't know where to find any of them. And the amateur thing to say is, well, I'll just put an ad on social media. The problem is they're not actively looking for you right now. They trust you, but if they're not actively looking, I read a stat the other day that the average person, I don't want to name names here, but the average person in that big social media behemoth has an opportunity to see 1,500 posts a day. Like if they were to go through their whole timeline, 1,500 posts. So you may advertise for your post to be in that timeline. You think all 2,000 people you've met over the last 10 years are going to respond? No way. You might get 50 of them. What happened to the other 1,950? They're just out there. They know you, trust you. They, may, they still might trust you if they remembered your name. But... If you'd have had an email list 10 years ago, and every time you met somebody, they were added to the list, and you never tried to sell them anything for 10 years, all you did was pay your 50 bucks a month posting fee for the, the privilege to mail them. You sent them an email even once a week, just a nurturing email, keeping in touch email. You sent them an email on their birthday. You sent them an email around the holidays. You sent them a training email once a week with a couple of tips. If that's all you did for 10 years, you nurtured this list of 200 people and you launch something, and you launch a movement or you write a book or you create a product or you build a new website or you have a new idea, you've got 2,000 people you can reach out to and you don't even have to sell them anything. All you have to do is write them an email that says, hey, you know, you and I, we've known each other for a long time and, and uh, you know, I've tried to support you over the years and I've taught you a few things and, and uh, you've been so appreciative and Thanks for hanging out and staying here. And uh, here's the thing. I'm launching a movement. I just believe strongly in something. And you lay it out why you believe strongly. And you say, do you know anybody that could benefit from this movement? And obviously, the person you're talking to might be one of those people. But many times, they may know three people, five people, or a thousand people that can be a part of your movement. But these are people you never could have touched if you weren't in the regular habit of just keeping in touch. Just keeping in touch. There's nothing scary about an email list. It's no longer than calling your friends and family once a month just to keep in touch. That's what the email list is all about. Okay, so having said that, I want to talk about generating buyers. Let's say that, that you're, you're in a frustrating position. You're, you're doing the whole opt-in thing right. You're getting lots of opt-ins. But people just aren't buying like they should be. You're getting a lot of tire kickers. You're getting spam button hitters. You're, you're getting problems. You've got problems with your freebie list. Okay, now, one of the reasons you may have problems with the freebie list is that, remember I made a comment a few minutes ago that you might have glossed over. 
and that is that if you're trying to build a business, you are sure ought to have a product to sell. You know, like if I was to build a coffee shop, I sure better have coffee to sell. If I wanted to open a grocery store, I sure better have things to sell on the shelf. If I want to open a toy store, even a kiosk in the mall for a month, and sell some, you know, flying airplane or something that people can put under the Christmas tree, I sure better have flying airplanes to sell. So if I'm in business, the assumption is I have something to sell. I've knocked a lot of doors in my life selling things. I always had something to sell. I never knocked on a door and said, hey, you know, I'm just knocking on your door because I, uh, well, I'm in business for myself, but I don't, I don't sell anything. I don't know how I can help you today, but some guru told me to knock on doors. It just reminds me how often we, we, we do one step in a process. But you can't do one step. You should do them all. That's an aside. So I believe if you're in business, you have a product and has a price on it, you sell it. But what happens is some of you don't have that, and so your freebie list is a genuine freebie list because they don't even know you're selling anything. They don't know what you stand for. They don't know who you are because you haven't told them. You haven't told them what they stand for. You haven't told them, taught them anything they don't know that they couldn't find out by just going to a search engine. You haven't positioned as, as an expert. And so I, I just want to I just want to share that with you. That a lot of times we have bad lists. That's what's going on. And, but I was reflecting the last day or two that almost 80% or maybe even more of my subscribers actually came to me from buying something first. They didn't come to me because they were looking for something free. They came to me because they wanted something I sold, and they got onto my list. And I started thinking, you know, one of the things that I have on my list is a strong open rate. I have a strong click-through rate. I have a strong purchase rate. I have a strong lifetime subscriber purchase rate. I have a strong customer lifetime value. Those those figures are strong. They're I'm just going to leave it there. I don't want to. I don't want to go on and on and beat a dead horse. But they're good. They're good numbers. And it. I realized that part of the reason I, obviously I've known this for a long time, but this connection that I made that has led to me wanting to share this with you. It says, wait a second, I don't have some of the problems that other people have in this industry because I don't really recruit tire kickers and freebie seekers. If I do have a squeeze page, it's very specific. If you want to learn this, you know, it's not just get on my list and you're going to get some hairy-fairy, uh, you know, uh, training series or something that anybody can use and it'll, it'll make miraculous things happen in your life. I'm very specific on my squeeze pages. I have a squeeze page about email marketing. It's going to say, I'm going to teach you exactly what to do and how to do it to triple your conversion rates in 30 days. It's something very specific. And if you're not interested in that specific thing, you're not getting on my list anyway. So I do not optimize for, for opt-in rate. I optimize for the right people on my list. And I've been known before, if I find a basket of people, a cohort of people on my list, and I see that they've come from the same squeeze page, and they are non-buying, freebie-seeking, freeloading kind of people that are not adding any value, and they're unsubscribing, and they're griping, and they, they don't like the emails, sometimes I will go in and I will delete the entire cohort of, of email subscribers. Just delete them all. 
You say, Sean, that's not fair, is it? You might have deleted some good person. You're right. If they really think I'm a good person, then in a week when they realize they're not getting my emails anymore, they'll send us an email and they say, I really want to be on your list. What happened? And we just put them back on the list. There's no harm done. I, I believe I lose nothing by getting rid of the bad apples. I don't lose anything by getting rid of the bad apples, but I don't get that many bad apples. So that's what I want to talk about today is how you can get good apples by starting with a buyer lead rather than an opt-in. So let's say right now, you know, and remember the example I gave you was a $97 product, a 10-year-old example. And today, if you're just cold selling a $97 product, you're in a pretty rich niche. I mean, most of the time, just because of what this market has done, you know, the last five years, this market has gotten to the place that you can get on anybody's list for seven to ten bucks, anybody's buyer list for seven to ten bucks. And so that's kind of a competitive price point. And you'll sell more at that level for that immediate first lead. Now, one of the dangers is that when I talk about seven and ten bucks as a first lead, then people just try to make their whole funnel full of seven and ten dollar items. And well, they, I mean, it's real hard to make money at seven bucks, but it gets you a good lead fast. I want to run with you some numbers now. And remember, when I share this with you, we're not throwing anything out the window from the past. All the old models still work. In fact, a portion of my business runs on the old model. And I want you to imagine you get 100 subscribers, 40, or you get 100 visitors, 40 of them become subscribers, and since you're, you're not selling a $97 item first, probably right now, you've got a $10 training or $7 training, 10% of those subscribers buy your product, so you generate $30 in revenue, so that's 30 cents a visitor on the 100 visitors, 30 bucks in revenue. If you've got some follow-up products and a coaching program and a membership, you're probably going to triple or quadruple that for a short-term lifetime value, so early lifetime value, first few months, you ought to be able to take that 30 bucks to 120, 140 bucks. Now, I want to flip this and say, you, you got your 37 bonus subscribers, but what if those 37 bonus subscribers are freebie kickers or tire kickers? Because remember, in the old example, we were talking about people being shown a compelling $97 offer, and it was, a, it, it was before the age of people learning how to use hypnotic and NLP big orange button that says subscribe here, my goodness, you could probably get a 15% conversion rate on an opt-in page that says nothing at all except click here and put your, your name and email address, big orange button. Did you know that 15% of the population would probably click that and get on your list and they have no idea what you sell? Now, the problem with that is that all of those people, as soon as they find out what you sell, they don't need it and they are wasteful on your list, and they're tired of your emails, and the only way they know how to get off is to hit the spam button. But what's happened is today's squeeze pages, the ones I see out there, not the ones that you see me teach. A lot of times folks tell me that the squeeze pages that I teach, that they're so wordy, there's not enough pictures. I'll tell you, if somebody is going to get on my list just because I have a pretty picture on my squeeze page, what does that tell me? It tells me I'm getting a pretty picture seeker on my list. I don't want any pretty picture seekers on my list. And some folks would tell me, well, you're leaving money on the table. Well, if I am, you can have their money. 
You can have the pretty picture seekers money. You know, there's squeeze pages out there that have a beautiful picture of a beach in the background, and all it says is enter your name and email address right here to see how you can have this beach in your life. And they may be getting an 80% conversion rate, but wow, can you imagine the junk they're putting on their list? Okay, And so that's what a typical squeeze page has evolved to. And, and I might be in a little facetious and a little sarcastic, yes, but I think you get the picture here. We make it too easy for people to get on our lists. And when we look at those old numbers, and when one of the reasons I get good subscribers on my list is because my squeeze page is not an easy hoop to get through. You've got to read five bullet points, and they're going to tell you what you're going to learn. And it says, enter your name and email address below. You know, folks tell me, well, I only use email address because I get more subscribers. I want to know who I'm talking with. I'm building a relationship, not a prison number. I mean, think about it. That's how we think of our subscribers now, by the kind of the ID tag that's associated with them. I want to know who the person is. Sometimes folks will, I know this is a diversion, but that's okay. Sometimes folks will hit reply to an email I've sent, and I noticed that somehow they got on my list by not using their name or not using a real name or something like that, and they'll ask me a question. I will write them back, and I'll say, hey, by the way, what's your first name? I want to communicate with a real person, not a robot. I want to compute I am a real person, and I want to communicate with you as a real person. And then, of course, if I do that, you'll buy more, right? You see where we're going with this? So I want you to, we're going to go back to this example. I'm going to restate it because I know for some of you, I jumped too much right there. Your notes aren't going to be clear, and that's okay. You get 100 visitors to your list. You're selling a 7 to $10 item anyway, so you get 40 subscribers. Four of them buy at seven bucks is thirty bucks. You've got a thirty dollar or a hundred dollar a month membership. A third of them buy that. If you do the math, it equates to about one hundred fifty bucks on those hundred hundred subscribers. And you got thirty seven. Now you got thirty six, thirty seven tire kickers on your list. Now hopefully in the next week you're going to continue to sell them your seven to ten dollar item. You're going to get a couple of them converted. But because of the fact that you're using a low ticket item. The 36 people that don't buy believe you're not worth, worth much more than that. And because they don't buy, you don't present them with the $97 offer because you've learned that the funnel says $7 first, 37 second, 97 third, and 500 fourth. And so if they're in that freebie category, they never see that you're worth more than 7 bucks. And so what happens? You have now have a list of people who are conditioned to believe you're not worth anything, sending them a worthless email every other day. If this is the scenario, here's how you fix it. Instead of offering a squeeze page, you offer the $7 item. You can split test that sales page until it converts at the very best. And if you're getting good traffic, you ought to be able to get a – this is a this is a guess. I, I hate to throw numbers out there, but I'm going to throw a number out there. You won't have anything as a yardstick. Most of you would want me to give you a number even if it was wrong, right? So I'm going to give you a number. I'm going to guess at this number. It's probably wrong for you. In your niche, it could be higher. In your niche, it could be lower. So the number I'm going to give you is just an imaginary yardstick because you want a number. I'm going to give you a number. But you may be able to outperform this number. You may not be able to perform this number. So for you personally, this is probably a wrong number. But it's a number. Let's just say it's 10%. And I like 10%. If, if these are not cold, 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 
visits. I mean, if these are not people stumbling from Mars onto your squeeze onto your sales page, you know, they you sent you ran an ad and the ad says email marketing training uh, double your conversion rates and they clicked the ad whether it was pay per click or whether it was a banner ad or whether it was social media or whether it was a free email. If they clicked an ad that says click here to get email training that will double your conversion rate and your sales page is all about email training that doubles your conversion rate, you ought to get 10% to 7 to 10 bucks. So now you've got 100. Remember the first situation we had 100 people, 40 subscribers, 10%, which is four of them bought at 7 bucks is 28 bucks. Now you've got 100 visitors. You get no subscribers, but you get 10 you get 10 buyers at 7 to 10 bucks. What this means is that on day one, you double your revenue on day one by having a 7 to $10 offer as that initial offer instead of a squeeze page. Think of it, think of it as a total booth squeeze page. You're going to give them the opportunity to get amazing value, but they're going to have to open up their wallet and give you 7 or 10 bucks. Now, folks, I've also seen this done at $1 and you'll get higher conversion rates. I've seen this done at $1, and you'll get higher conversion rates. Now, my personal opinion is if we do it at $1, then we're still talking about a really cheap lead. If we do it at 7 and 10 bucks, they actually had to open up their wallet. Now, now I know, I know you're going to say, Sean, you are really splitting hairs. You're right, I am. This is just a psychological gut-feeling intuition based on 11 years' experience. That's it. That's it. Could I be totally washed up? You do the math. You do the split test. Have half your folks come into the $7 funnel. Have half of them come into the $1 funnel. Tag them for a year and see who spends money, the most money at the end of the year or at the end of 90 days or whatever. You can do that. There's software out there that will help you do that. So you can do that. You can figure it out. Just use your gut. Some of you are really excited about the idea of a $1 training because you think that it doesn't have to be very much training. Guess what? It should be the best training in the world. The very first training that people buy for seven to ten dollars should be worth a thousand dollars. It should be the best training that you have because it's your best foot forward. It's your best foot forward. If you sell trash at the front of your list just because they're only paying seven bucks, so who cares? Guess what? They're going to think that all your campaign is is trash, and you'll never know about it because most people don't ask for a refund at that price. So you can brag all that, oh, I only get 1% refunds. It must be a pretty good product. No, you get 1% refunds because people don't want to take the time to hunt you down for 7 bucks. That's, that's why your, your refund rate is so low. The true, the true question is, do they buy something a month later? Not do they buy an upsell right now. If they buy an upsell right now, it tells you nothing about how good your product is. But if they stay on your, if they buy today and they stay on your list for 30 days and then they buy again in 30 days at a higher price point, 37 97 497 What does that tell you? The first product was good. Your first product should be amazing and it should blow them away. Because if the first product blows them away, they now trust you. They will read every email you send. They will hang on to the edge of their seat. They will send you an email if you don't send them an email. And can you believe I get emails if I don't send an email in two, after about two days? I get people asking me if I'm dead or alive. Why? Because they're looking for that daily email. Why are they looking for it? Because I've delivered up front. Now, is that the case for every person? No. 
I mean, sometimes I can have the best training in the whole wide world and it just doesn't resonate with somebody. So I want to be careful that I'm not saying it happens all the time. It doesn't. But I'm talking in generalities to say this is the direction that you want to go, in my opinion, for a part of your list or for all of your list. Because this is about quality. Okay? Now that they came into your list, seven and ten bucks. Instead of trying to sell them something for seven to ten bucks in the first five days, you're going to try to sell them something for thirty-seven to ninety-seven dollars. And then if they buy that, the following week you can put them into your coaching program recruitment campaign at ninety-seven dollars a month, and you can generate some real revenue. Now, will you get as many buyer leads as you were getting subscribers? No. Will you make more money? If you build this out with some real products, my belief is you'll make more money. You'll have a list of buyers. Another thing that's nice about buyers is buyers normally give you their real email address because they want they definitely want to get the thing delivered. Buyers don't tend to hit the spam button. Buyers tend to be more respectful. Buyers are vested in you and care about the emails that you send. Okay, so now, now that I've given this to you, what do you do with it? Well, the first thing I don't want you doing is going and telling your husband or wife that Sean just gave you a brand new model and you're going to implement it tomorrow. That's what I don't want you doing. What I do want you to do is when we get off of this call, I want you to go to a quiet place with no telephone, no computer, a notebook, a clean notebook, not one with tattered, tattered corners on it. So a fresh, clean notebook. And if you have to go to the store to get it, go. The good thing about going to the store to get it is you can leave all your problems behind while you go get your notebook. Leave your phone at home, leave the computer at home, and go buy a fresh new notebook. Go buy a fresh new pen. Splurge on a nice pen. This is your business, friends. You wouldn't pitch a client using an old, you know, dog-eared, nasty, torn-up binder if you were expecting the client to invest $1,000 with you, were you? Would you? Would you ask somebody to sign a $1,000 contract with an, a cheap, nasty, dog-eaten pen? No. You'd go out and spend 10 or 20 or 50 bucks on that, that pen that people are going to sign a $1,000 contract. But here's the thing. If you do what I'm sharing with you, you could generate $1,000 from this new buyer lead the next 30 days. That's a $1,000 contract with yourself. Here's the thing. If you're not going to use a, a, a dog-eaten torn up notebook and a dog eaten torn up pen to solicit a contract with somebody else, you sure shouldn't for yourself because you should have as much respect for you as you do for your client. And if that's the case, you need to be working with a clean notebook and a nice shiny pen that fits your hand well. 20 minutes, you go to the store, you buy all that, and then you go somewhere besides home and sit down for an hour and draw out the pros and cons. What do you like about what I just shared with you? What do you dislike about it? Write it all out and then keep flipping pages and you'll have an aha moment. You'll have an, about the 10th page, you'll have an aha moment. And you say, wow, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this at this price. I'm going to have a seven-day email campaign at this price. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And it's going to be your plan, not mine. Now, will it look a lot like mine? Probably. Will it look a lot like Perry's? Probably, because his looks a lot like mine. 
Mine looks a lot like his. Will it look a lot like Marlon's? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure will. Will it look like a lot like Dan's? Yeah, sure will. Will it look a lot like Gary's? Yeah, sure will. Will it look a lot like Ryan's? It sure will. Why? Because when you do the math and you study it and you think about it, you come to the certain conclusions that tell you that if you nurture your list in this way, they'll trust you in this way, and if they trust you, they'll keep buying from you. They'll keep buying from you. Okay, now, I want to give you one more thing, and we're going to close. This was not in my notes, but I'm going to give this to you anyway. It just popped into my head, and I think it's worth giving to you. Have you ever wondered why people that have been in business as long as I have and longer some of these guys have been in the Internet business since the Internet started, so I've been in it for 11 years. Some of these guys have been in it for 15 or 20 years, not much more than that, because there just wasn't much selling before that. If you look at people like me and like these folks that are 10 times more experienced than I am, you look at some folks that are, have similar experience to where I'm at, but we've been in business for, let's say, eight years or more. We follow, if you study what we do, we do so many of the same things, but not because we copy each other, but because we've been doing it for eight years, we've tested all the things that don't work and thrown them out. Now, some people, not you, but some people that are hearing the sound of my voice today have been getting emails from people who started their business six months ago that bought some high-ticket program from one of those people that just sells a $5,000 uh, copy-what-I-do program. They don't add any value to this world except take newbies that don't know what they're doing, give them a copy-and-paste system. They, they find a way to get you on their list, and you look at it, it looks like original work. When you do just a little bit of research, when you hit reply and you ask them how many subscribers they have, and they tell you, I've got 57 subscribers, Guess what? You're studying the campaign of somebody that's been in business for six months and probably not even breaking even. My guess is if you're getting 100 emails a day in your inbox and you're studying them all to see what folks are doing, 90% of them are, are not making money. You've got to get off of those people's lists because you're not learning anything. And you are learning something, but you're you're... It'd be like saying, I'm going to learn karate. Who do you want to learn karate from? The sensei or his apprentice? The apprentice is good. Or do you want to learn karate from somebody that's been doing it for three months and hangs out a shingle? I'd rather not learn karate than learn it from somebody that hang, hang out their shingle after three months because they don't know what they're doing. 90% of the people that are sending you emails every day don't know what they're doing. And if you don't know who the difference is, I can spot them. I read an email or two and I can tell. Just by the words they use, if I look at their website, if, if we look at some of their accomplishments, I know very quickly who's been in business for very long and who's not. I believe it's your responsibility to find out, get off of every one of those lists, and start only following those people who have been in business long enough to have survived the fire, to have survived the fire. Because what that means is they're not doing the kinds of things that lead you down into unprofitability because if they were in unprofitability for eight years, they quit. 
the folks that are in business for longer than, and I'm calling it eight years, maybe it's seven, maybe it's six, maybe it's nine, I don't know, but you get the idea. People that have been in business for a long time that have had some ups and downs that are man or woman enough to tell you, I used to sell this way, but here's why I don't because it doesn't work anymore. Or here's why I don't because I found I was cheating some people. I didn't mean to, but working at that price point, some unsuspecting people get in and it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. And so they, they'll tell you, I don't do that anymore. This is what I do. One more thought, and I'll close. Once again, not my notes. Once in a while, I run across some old grizzled marketer. Old grizzled marketer used to have a big empire. And now they're just working out of their home office. And they've got some basic training. And they're offering consulting for a reasonable price. And they're living a happy life. And it's easy to look at that old grizzled marketer and think, where did his success go? Where did his success go? I'm going to share with you. I'm going to share with you a timeline that I've seen time and time and time again with marketers. And if you look at people that have been in business for 10 years or more, you will see some variation of this timeline. They start out gung ho. And they do whatever it takes to make sales on the front end. And they learn that they can make more money by selling at 200 bucks and 100 bucks, so they raise their prices. And they learn they can make more money at 500 bucks than 100 bucks. And so they, they keep raising their prices until they're charging five grand or 10 grand. And they do that for several years. Many of them go on the road and speak. Many of them go on the road and speak. And what happens is, and this is the top. This is kind of the top of the command. They go on the road and speak. What happens after about two years is they look at the quality of their life and they realize they're away more than their home. They realize they're not making as much money as they were before they went to that level, and they, they gracefully bow out. They go backwards. And then, then they begin to evaluate client success at five or $10,000, and then they go, you know what? I know I don't make as much money at $1,000 as I did at five, but I'll sleep better at night. So they go backwards and they say, we're going to sell at 1000 And then after a while they say, you know, I want to change more lives. So we reduce the price. And, and have, have, you noticed, have you noticed that the businesses that go mass market, mass market, are created by people that have the experience to have done something big and either fail or quit and reinvent it in a way that changes the masses. That's just food for thought, folks. What's the moral of today's story? The moral of today's story is that if, if you like the buyer lead model, and if you're willing to do the hard work that's associated with it, and if you're willing to dig in and do some testing, and if you're willing to reinvent some things in your business that might be just as easy as just changing your squeeze page to your first product and see what happens, you just might be surprised at what happens to the quality of the folks who are on your list.